Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I want to invite you this morning, because we've been on this journey, and uh, I am so, it's got intertwined with... uh, several strong words that other people have influenced my life with, that one of those being about the kingdom and, uh, and just in my own life. And I don't know what you do during the summer, but I'm reading some stuff in the word that is, uh, I'm just asking the Lord, just kind of show me stuff about, about uh, you know, you just want a fresh, wind to come into your heart about who God is in your life and everything. And one of the things that that I've noticed is there are two primary themes, and you need to hear this. There's two primary themes that Jesus actually taught about when he taught. We know he was a good teacher, right? He did really good teachings. These are the two primary themes that he taught about. The kingdom the nature of the kingdom, what the, what the character and quality and issues surrounding what he called the kingdom, which is his rule, his reign, his authority. One of the first things we see him do, the first message that he preaches when he sits down in a, in a synagogue is about the kingdom, about being anointed to come and preach the good news. That's the first thing he declares about himself. That's key for us. And the second thing is this. He proclaimed the nature of the Father. So he talks about what the kingdom is like, and then he talks about what God's like. Guess what God's like? He's like the kingdom. Guess what the kingdom's like? It's like God. It reflects God because it's his rule. And those two things intertwined. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a, with a friend uh, just recently who was asking me about the Pharisees and what, like, Jesus is pretty tough on Pharisees. Did you notice that? And then he asked, uh, where are we at as the church? And I said, you mean New Day? <laughs> and he said, no, 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 the, like the church. Are, they, are we Pharisees? I had to go, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, and, and it's this, uh, that type of legalistic binding that was in and among the Pharisees, listen, they weren't trying to be mean. They thought they were righteous people. They weren't trying to be against God, just the opposite. They told everybody they were the lovers of God and the followers of God and the servers of God. And then they demanded that everybody else do it exactly like they were doing it, only they weren't really doing it. And Jesus really wasn't too happy with all of that. So what about Phariseeism today? Well, we're going to look at it next week when we talk about the slave mentality. So it's kind of a teaser to get you in here and, and what it looks like. We've been going through this journey about mindsets and exactly what that means and what uh, the strength of it, because this is what I believe. The kingdom is about us finding freedom in our lives. Any of you study poetry? No? 
couple? Okay, the Romantic period, is, I can't remember the poet's name, but the Romantic period had a poet who had a line of poetry that went something like this. Stone walls and iron bars does not a prison make. It's, it's other things. It, it's our minds. It's, it's the things, the thinking that we get trapped in, the, the untruths that, that bind us up and... You know, there's not a person sitting in this room, now a couple of you I don't know, and many of you I would like to know better than I do, but, but it says, no, nobody's here because they're bad, wicked people and are really debating bad and wicked things, and you'd really rather be down on the street corner, you know, uh, getting, a, getting a tab or a hit or a... Are you thinking about maybe if you got the right mask that maybe you could hit up the bank on? Do you see what I'm getting at? We're not here. We're not here out of wrong motives, bad motives. We're here because we love God and we want freedom. I don't know of one believer that doesn't want freedom. I want more freedom. And I think too often we see God as a jailer. That he wants to take things away from us and restrict us in how we're living our lives. That's why I so appreciated the, the word that you, you, you brought to us this morning. It's actually just quite the opposite. When he came and preached the kingdom, it was to bring freedom to all of us. And he's still preaching that, that sort of freedom today. And so as we go through these teachings and looking at the different mentalities or mindsets or strongholds that we can have in our lives, I'm not doing it in the sense of trying to pin you and show you where your thinking is wrong. I want to invite you to something that's way beyond that because that just keeps you behind prison bars. I want you to enter in and go, oh my gosh, I do that. But I don't need to. Christ has set me free into a way different way of thinking. How many of you, your thinking has changed in the past couple years? About how, yeah, well, good. Well, we're getting there, aren't we? And this is what I have to say. I have an old John Wimber saying for that. More, Lord. <laughs> Man, when freedom comes, there's just such an, an incredible thing. So... In looking at, for some of you that are new, are we ready, Carrie? It won't come up? You may have to restart the computer. So while she's doing that, I'm going to do a quick review, okay? Mindset review. What, you know, what is a mindset for our sake... It's a core belief. Now, core meaning it's way down deep inside, and it's something that what you believe is you hang on to it as, as truth. Not all truths that we hang on to are true truths. You can have core beliefs that are not based in biblical values or biblical truth. They don't have to be true truth. And they can really affect your life. And so when Jesus comes in, that stuff doesn't just magically change. All of a sudden, you, you think perfectly. 
It's a process in life where your thinking gets changed and you start, and we call that revelation. God starts revealing stuff to you about who you are through the power of his kingdom and and those get inside of us. So for our sake, it's, it's something you hold to be true. Now here's what it does. It becomes a controlling thought process. That's what a mindset is. It's, that's the way you always see it. And when something comes in, have you ever had the, the cataclysmic event where you finally understood that you weren't thinking right? Have you had those aha moments and gone, what? But that's the way I always thought, well, that's... Oh, that's the way my family saw, saw it. So it, it just gets in there and you start going. And then it, it kind of makes you a little bit unnerved because you go, what if that's not true? What if what I thought was true isn't true? And there's a little bit of shaking going on. Guess what? That's Holy Spirit. He really enjoys doing that, by the way. He likes to go, yeah, really? Let me show you a different way of thinking about that. And he messes with that stuff in our head. The reason it's so important is it will determine how you live. Your core values, what you really believe deep down in your heart of hearts, will determine how you live, even the distortions of biblical truth. So you can say, I know God loves me. But if you don't believe in your heart of heart that God loves you, you're wearing a mask. And you say it in front of other people, and it looks all nice and smiley. It looks real good when you come to church. But you live your life in such a way that you don't really believe that God loves you. Because if you believe that God loves you, your life looks different. Dramatically. Not just to others. And you find this. I don't have to prove it to anybody. This is who I am. Wait, wait. This is, I'm loved of God. This is who I am. And then when that becomes a core belief, when it's established under a kingdom principle, and you can go, nope, the word says it right here. I know it. He preached it. He delivered me from wrong thoughts, and I'm in it. Then nobody can take it away from you. Then you start saying things like Paul said, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that against any day that can come, even the day of his return. He had a core belief that was based on true truth. And it affected his entire, his entire range with God. So, our minds, our way of thinking, we have, we have three areas that get established in our thinking. Their core beliefs, what I just talked about, your life experiences, and I want to talk about that today. Your family values, your religious values, painful and joyful experiences in your personal life that happen to you in the process of growing, maturing. Sometimes it happens when we're little. Sometimes it happens when we're teenagers. And we gain life experiences. We're going to look at that. It also comes from our environment. Uh, you mentioned culture. The world around us, culture, society, subcultures, ethnicities, worldviews. Europeans think differently inside of them about life 
because they have a different worldview than Americans do. Have you ever watched any of the, those programs where they start asking college students like common his, history questions about America and American culture? You know, like how many stars are on the flag? Who know, 40, 16, I think. No, 13. Oh, wait, is that stripes? And, and you're going, are you kidding me? So how many stars are on the American flag? Thank you. You all passed class today. Here's where we get damaged and where mindsets come in and start controlling, especially from life experiences. It's this. Misbeliefs. Another way of saying that is lies. But you see, when I tell you, no, you're believing a lie, you'll start to resist that. But if I tell you that's a misbelief, you'll go, what? You'll look at it because lie sounds really harsh. And it's something you've held on to for years. And it becomes, if you will, a frenemy. It becomes a, an enemy that's your friend. And you've kind of hung on to it. We find that in things like, Somebody who has a beautiful voice, but they got embarrassed one time when they got up publicly and sang when they were 14, and now they're convinced in their heart they can't sing. See, it's, it's a lie, we know that, but if you tell them that's a lie, they'll go, no, I really can't sing. You tell them, no, that's a misbelief. I've stood next to you. I'm the one that can't sing. You sing beautifully. And we, so we go, we go through that. Some of you are looking at me because that must be a stronghold issue for you. <laughs> you know, I never thought I could sing and then God put me in the position where I had to lead worship in a church. <sighs> didn't play an instrument, didn't know anything about music, don't know how to read music. I really don't have that good a voice, but I tell you what, God put me in the place and it was his kingdom and I did it. And you know what? The spirit moved, people were blessed, and nobody threw tomatoes at me. They might have gone, ooh, I wish he'd sing a little lower. But so it's all those distortions that come in, become mindsets to us. So a misbelief is something that you hold to be true that is in conflict with this. The character and nature of God, his kingdom, and his word. It's in conflict with it. And you know it deep down, you know that what you're hanging on to isn't true truth. And there's a little war, there's a, this thing that tension starts to get in side your life and you really wish that you could sit down with the best friend you ever had who's never around and you wish you could talk to them about it. Why do I think that way about myself? Anybody ever have those kind of why why do I do that? You know, after you've yelled at the kids for the 967th time going, I know that doesn't work. Why do I do it? I can see the damage I'm making him so hard-hearted. He'll never. Well, and you wish you could sit down. Guess what? There's one that is closer than a brother. We sang a song about it that's a friend. And he really does want to talk to you about it. He really does want to engage you over it. 
And he is much more interested in your healing than you are. Because he came to heal us. He came to set the captive free. That's what he's all about. That's why he did this. He's not saving pennies up in heaven. You're not some coin that gets tossed in a jar and gets taken to Walmart at the end of the year to get turned into dollar bills. He came because he loved us. He lives with us now because he loves us. This is what I know about God. He's not wigged out by broken people. See, we've been taught all our lives to hide our brokenness. He's not wigged out by our brokenness. He doesn't reject us over that. Did you read it where it says, there's none righteous, no, not one? He was talking about all of us. And while you were on your worst day, he was loving you? He is much more interested in our healing than we are. There's mindset to get in there, control that, and block that from it being able to get into us. I want to give you a kingdom mindset. It's called a grace mindset, and I want to read two things to you. Now, I've been doing this every week that I teach, and I even had somebody ask me to send that to him this week, and I didn't do it. It's because I have an older mindset. I forgot. But I want you to hear these two things. This is how to break up our unbelief mindset. Grace is the absolute and unforced favor gained by Christ's death and resurrection. Allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us apart from anything we must prove. That's John Lynch. I'd I'd love to lay credit to that. Uh, but it would just be an untruth. So John wrote that. I believe it. Yes. So then he says this. Grace is an actual realm. How could he say such a thing? Because the kingdom is a realm where God rules and grace is the operating system. It comes by grace and truth. As I teach and talk about grace to so many people, they went, well, I've always believed that. I don't have a problem with that. I go, yeah. When's the last time you heard it? When's the last time it became your value system? So grace is an actual realm, a way of life in which we no longer strive for acceptance. I do not have to convince God every day to save me. I'm saved. I don't have to go to God to get forgiven. I go to God because I am forgiven. I don't have to go to God to convince him that I'll try a little bit harder tomorrow and if he'll just give me a little bit more favor, I'll be okay. You're okay. Matter of fact, 
you've become the righteousness of Christ. What a dynamic thing being born again is. It's put this way, talking about the kingdom. We have been translated out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom. Now this is after he rose from the dead and this is Paul describing it. The kingdom of the son of his love. Isn't that? Who writes that stuff? Holy Spirit. So we get it embedded in us. How does it help me when I'm struggling? Oh, there's no better medicine than grace and truth. No better medicine on earth. Somehow we've been convinced that we, it's our job rather than receiving from God. You couldn't get into the kingdom without receiving from God. You can't stay in the kingdom without receiving from God. Not as a threat, but you don't get to leave the kingdom. Funny thing about God is he knows he's God. And when you receive him, he doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't go after the 999,000th time that you've done it. He doesn't go, ah, well, it ain't going to work. You're right. Your sin's bigger than me. Your brokenness is yours and it can't be fixed. Does that even sound like Christ? Is this mindset? God is bigger than your big deal. Now, here's the good thing. He doesn't go, you don't think right, so squish you. No. Here's the issue. Because it's a big deal to you, guess what? It's a bigger deal to him. Because it's your pain, your trauma, your difficulty, your struggle, it's his struggle. And he won't let go. And as much as you try and avoid him, what John Mark McMillan says, just like Napoleon, he just keeps coming on. He is determined to come after me. He healed me, saved me. I have a destination that's heaven, and he is not going to let go. And even when we kind of secretly sort of wish he'd just leave us alone for a little while, we call that conviction, right? Leave me alone on that. No. He doesn't want us to hurt us. Because what hurts us really hurts us. He's united to us, joined to us. We mature, heal, and are released to his intentions by trusting that Jesus and all his power is fused into our new being. You didn't get a little bit of God when you got saved. You didn't get his big toe or his little finger. You got the Holy Spirit and in him all the fullness dwells of the Godhead because he can't be separated. What? You received all of God 
into you. There's not a day coming that you are waiting to get the rest of the stuff so you'll be okay. You got God. You should start a new ad campaign. Got God? Yes. And he's good. Marvelously good. So here's what happens with life experience. And this is where something that I call the victim mindset gets into us. Most in here, we've got a few kids in here. I won't say anything. That's not what I meant. (laughs) But it says, as we go through... How many of you can remember traumatic events from the time you were four until age 14? That there's still events that happened in your life that were traumatic. They don't go away. Mine's an incredible computer, isn't it? You had an experience and it happened in there. But here's what can happen. When we begin to build core values based around one of those experiences... It becomes a trap. It's just like Admiral Fishhead on Star Wars. You know, it's a trap. I can't do that. Do you guys know Admiral Fishhead, Akbar? No? God, you guys got to go watch some classic movies here. We're We're talking 1977. And you can get the new digitized one that they only charge you $27 for in Blu-ray to watch Admiral Akbar tell us it's a trap. (sighs) Listen, those things can be a trap. Suddenly we could become prisoners. Life experience, traumatic thing. Guess what they're a result of? Sin. Sin. But I didn't do it. It was done to me. The other person sinned. We all have been bashed by sin. And in our minds, the sins that we did can entrap us. And the sins that others did to us can entrap us. Lloyd, you don't understand what I did. You're right, I don't, but I do know what Christ did. Lloyd, you don't understand what happened to me. You're right, I do not. But I know what happened for you. And that's true truth. Christ died for both the things that we did, and he died for the things that were done to us. Now, for those of you who are getting a little... Going, now he's going to talk about forgiveness again because that's where we beat people up with the issue of forgiveness. I'm not talking to you about forgiveness. I'm talking to you about resentment. Grief, pain, trauma. Well, if you'll just forgive them, you'll get over it. It's locked up here. It takes a work of Christ to come in with grace and truth and our thoughts become healed. Our thoughts become able to, uh, for me it was a process in which I had to first let go before I even thought about forgiveness. Forgiveness? Hell no. I wanted to pay for what he did. 
forgive me what I did, but him, <laughs> forget him. That jerk, how could he do that to me? It becomes strongholds, becomes mindsets in the way we think. We can let God into every area but that one. Listen, you can have walked with God for 40 years. You can be completely healed. I've been healed. See the cracks? I can be completely healed and it can come up again. Does that mean it didn't take? Not at all. Gives Christ another opportunity to bring more healing into my life. He loves to come into our strongholds. He loves to go there. We're the ones that are uncomfortable. It's really strange. He's not uncomfortable at all. He puts on his slippers, gets in the easy chair, and goes, buddy, let's talk about it. I don't want to talk about it today, not today of all days. It's the anniversary. No. Come on, kiddo. Let's go for a journey. Let's you and I talk. Let's walk together. Would you look at it with me one more time? Can I show you one more thing about it? Can I touch that one area that still gnaws at you and why you think you can't forgive that person? Can I show you what I've really done for you? He won't force it. If you go, nope, can't do it. I can't get there to gay. He'll go, okay. I promise you, he's a gentleman. He's kind. He's very sweet-natured. That's who he is. He's a loving father. He won't make you watch the movie again, but it's funny. We're the one that hit play all the time. Brenda has a wonderful saying. I'll give her credit for it this time. When I preach it away from here, here it's mine. But she says this, hitting that play button, redoing the experience in your mind over and over again is like drinking poison hoping the other person dies. God wants to come in with grace and truth, especially over injustice issues. Oh my gosh. Carrie Rowe, you are the master of computers. Uh oh, though. Maybe you're not. Hit play. Next slide. Have you ever noticed that with me, it's not them it's me if i if i pick this up and hit play it goes fast forward we know this sin has it's this sin has been perpetrated by all and all of us have been victimized by it so i could have y'all raise your hand and say i am a victim <laughs> won't do that because that just reinforces the thing. We all have areas in our lives where we've been victimized. Wow. I want you to see this. This is what the victim mindset, the stronghold where we see ourselves always as a victim of what happened to us. The sin that was done to us becomes a stronghold when we can't see ourselves released from it. It binds us up. And its basis is in the fear of entrapment and bitterness. And listen to this, a false identity. Because I now live my being, remember the core beliefs things, 
over what happened to me rather than who I am in Christ. What occurred determines my value, determines my being, and determines how I operate with all of you and with God. And it leads to a false identity. It entraps me. I begin to identify myself. I, I know this because, listen, I lived it too. I was an abused child. Now, if I'm telling that to you as in a testimony, that's one thing. But if I'm telling you that because that's how I see myself, something's off. There's this fine line between truth and true truth. Truth is, yep, I was a victim. True truth is, but Christ has set me free from all of my victimization. And so when I deal with those things, when they come up again, it has to be from a true identity. It has to be from in Christ, what Christ has done for me. If you believe God sees you as broken junk, that's how you live your life. If you believe that his kingdom came into you with power, authority, and a new life, that's how you'll live your life. And even when the other stuff, an event can happen that hits the play button, it's not you, it just... uh, you go, you go visit weird Uncle Eddie, and you walk in the house, and you have an emotional memory come up. You smell the smell, and you go, <clears throat> and it's toxic. That's the time you start standing in Christ. Because that's not what you are, that's what you were. We have to live out of who we are, not what we were. See, the, the most, uh, this friend I was talking about, Phariseeism, that's one of the big hang-ups with Phariseeism is we keep identifying ourselves <laughs> by what we were instead of who we are. It's very similar to the orphan mentality. We no longer see God and ourselves and others through a kingdom perspective. I don't see myself the way God sees me. It distorts us, controls us, limits us from living in what God purposes for us in the new covenant of his grace. Remember, the two operating systems of the kingdom are grace and truth. You'll find that's the, you know, your I.O.S., I don't know about your computer, but every once in a while, or your phone, it may not be an iPhone, I have one of those iPhones, and it doesn't update without me asking it to. It says, we're updating your operating system. Well, guess what? God is committed to updating your operating system over and over and over again, because that's the healing process in your life. And it will always be out of two immutable truths. Grace and truth, they work in harmony. God never beats you up with truth. He releases grace to handle truth. This is not a few good men. 
you can't handle the truth. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can, because it's done in love. Perfect love given to you. This, this is my truth for you. Always, always promise. If it's not that, guess what? Throw it away. It wasn't God. If you feel beat up with the truth, that wasn't the way, that wasn't in the right operating system. I've had, I've had people smack me all over the place with truth. Thank you. Some of you have too. And we say, well, I got hurt at church. Yeah, don't hit replay on that. <laughs> don't do that. You know, let true truth by the grace of God come in. Well, that means it won't sting. Nah, that's not what I said. Not what I'm saying at all. But there will be grace there for you to receive it. When you can look at true truth and go, I don't like this, but yes. When you get the but yes in there, oh man, begin, things begin to rocket up here. So how do I know if I have this? Carrie, can we go to the next slide? Maybe. Not doing it? Okay. It's this. Let me re- read a scripture to you. Maybe we'll close today with this. Because this is, and I know some of you have questions about this. I don't know. Our numbers are lower with the summer. Maybe we'll do a Q&A class time with it. But it's this. Don't identify yourself, there's the characteristics, thank you, with with what it was. Listen to this scripture, and we'll look briefly at these characteristics. This is 1 Corinthians 6, and listen, I've actually had people beat me up and attack grace using this scripture, and attack eternal security, all kinds of really sound doctrines, and they use this scripture to attack sound doctrine, and I don't think they're reading it correctly. So verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So that means we have to draw a line and see who's unrighteous, right? Uh, That's not what he's talking about. Do not be deceived, and then he goes through this list, neither fornicators nor idolaters, now I did not create the list, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Here's what Paul's doing. He's saying, look, when we come into a new kingdom, we don't continue to identify ourselves. Now, that, that's a short, pretty short list there. If we're legalists, we can find out who can sin a little bit and still get in. Where's, where's the line? Chris Dupre used to do this all the time. He said, tell me where the line is so I can camp right next to it. And then I know I won't get in too much trouble if I just dip my toe over every once in a while. But I keep the other foot in the kingdom, you know, and I just, I am, where's the line? Tell me where the line is so I can live. We're legalists when we want to know, where's that line? That you're as legalistic. Listen, you're not any place near the line. 
you've been translated out of a kingdom of darkness into light. Matter of fact, most of us should go, huh, I don't, I don't know. I just want to live in God now. You don't think about where's the line. Don't identify yourself with what happened to you. The things that you did and the things that happened to you, of which some of you were, not are. But I'm still struggling. No, you're not still struggling. You're not being who you are. Hello? You're you're living a false identity. But I still like to... No, you don't. That's a lie. It's a misbelief. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's not who you are. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The word joined there, it, it could, could be translated married, only divorce is impossible. It's joined forever. It's a, it's a, in the Greek, it's an eternal word. It means a, a oneness, an enmeshment, that if you saw the one, you would be seeing the other. When you see Christ, you see you. Amazing. Amazing. That's who I am. I'm not identified by what I used to do. I'm not even identified by what I tempted to do. Paul said this, that's your flesh, stop. You don't have to live by the flesh. You live by your new identity in Christ. And actually, we've been taught that the flesh is more powerful than that one, and it's not. That's a lie, too, and a stronghold. So we identify ourselves as a sinner saved by grace. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint of the Most High God. And I have great authority. I walk in kingdom power. Matter of fact, I have authority on the earth. It's mine. I used to tease people using a play on on words with Braveheart and talk about Ireland where, where Paul the crazy Irishman it's my island. It's his. He owned it. Talked directly to the father. They thought he was nuts. Yes, father. Oh, listen, was he crazy? Or was he walking in his right identity? If you walk in your right identity this week, how will it look differently? If you walk in kingdom identity, how will it be different? If you change the operating system this week, I'm hurt and I'm stuck and I can't get out of it. We're going to talk about that. You can get stuck in a moment. I can get stuck in being a victim. I know. I hate to Listen, you can talk to Brenda. <laughs> I loved God. I pursued God. I was a holy man. I was righteous. I was pure of heart. I went after God and I was stuck. Because there were just a couple areas. Just a couple areas. I was the responsible one. It was a stronghold lie in my life. I'm responsible for that. 
So it came out in little idiosyncratic behaviors, mindsets. I would apologize for it being too cold in here, even though I wasn't the one that set the thermostat. Oh, you're cold? I'm sorry. What am I sorry? I didn't do it. Go put a shirt on. Go get a sweater. See how it just, I want you guys to really see this mindset, how it distorts us. We'll do, it becomes a part of our being. It doesn't have to be. And oh, when Christ starts setting you free. I used to make jokes to get people like me. Now I make jokes because they're funny. (laughs) Oh, come on, that was a joke. What if we're in a safe enough place that we don't have to hide behind the mask? What if it's okay if we all went, yep, we're all victims, and we didn't do a campground meeting over what our victimization was about? What if we just all went, yep, I'm broken, but Christ loves me. And we just brought it out in the light, in safety with each other. It doesn't mean doing emotional streaking. That's embarrassing. Let me tell you how rotten I was. Uh, No. I don't really need to know that. Just tell me you were rotten. I'll believe you. I know how rotten I was. Is this getting through this morning? We can really look at the Look at the characteristics of this. Just briefly and look at this. Some of you are a repeat from the, from the widow mentality. Controlling unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, negative, pessimistic approach to life. We get that because of the things that were done to us. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We use little sayings with it. Overstated and unjust compassion. Does this sound like American society today? Shame, self-pity, and undeserving. Jealous of others' blessings. Stuck in the past. Justification of wrong behavior. Not necessarily your own, but you'll just, well, you know, this happened to them, so that's why they do that. Well, they couldn't help it. If you knew what happened to them. Come on, we can, now we call this reality TV today. Demanding, suspicious, and miserly. Continually sorrowful and ungrateful. Hopeless and helpless. And this is the biggest one. Difficulties with receiving blessings. Boy, was this one of mine. Big one. And I came into the grace message and God started sending people that did unbelievable amounts of blessings in my life and gave me stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. And the Lord said, why don't you just receive it? It's a gift from me. Why don't you just let me bless you? What if you actually saw that as me coming to your house and saying, I'd like to do this for you? But, see, we're all like Mephibosheth. What am I, a dog that you come to me? You want me to sit at your table? I don't deserve that. Look at my feet. They're all crooked and bent, and I'm lame. Sit at the king's table? Eat free food? Crab? <laughs> like Maybe, you know, a little meatloaf would be okay. Come on, that's all the victim mentality. He wants to give you 
London broil, and you're content to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, because that's what you deserve. Oh, no. Stand with me, and we're going to sing a song. Come on up. He says, listen, (laughs) do you know what it'll really be like to feast at his table? All that good Middle Eastern food. They're really going to be shocked, aren't they? (laughs) He was Middle Eastern. They're going to be Baba Ganoush, goat. (laughs) They're wanting steak, and he's going to bring goat. Just kidding, you guys. If I blessed you in Jesus' name, would you receive it today? Then will you do something else? Will you look for the blessing this week? To actually have an anticipation in your heart and move away from what you don't deserve? It can come in a small way. It can be a smile on a child's face. It can be a a stranger looking at you and say, hey, you did a really good job with that. Well done. It could be a, just the blessing that you need. It could be a showering gift. It can just be a new way of thinking. It can be somebody walking up to you and saying, what's so different about you? You, you seem different today. It's God's blessing coming on your life over who you are. Not defined by what happened to you. Not defined by what you went through again. 